book of Numbers. Let's go. Let's all stand. Praise God. Book of Numbers, chapter 11. Libro de Números, capítulo 11. Praise God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Book of Numbers, chapter 11. And we're going to go down to verse number 12. Two weeks ago, we were at the beginning of chapter 11. Now we are heading down towards the end of it. Praise the Lord. And somebody say, Amen. 11 and 12 of Numbers said, Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? That thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth a suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand. If I have found favor in thy sight, then let me not see my wretchedness. Verse 16 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee, and I will come down and talk with thee there. And I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and you shall eat flesh. For you have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh to eat, and you shall eat. <clears throat> I'm going to preach to you tonight on the subject, When God Answers the Prayer, you should have prayed. When God answers the prayer, you should have prayed. When God answers the prayer, you should have prayed. Let's say that together. When God answers the prayer, you should have prayed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. And Lord, I want you to speak through me the way you spoke this message to me. Lord, I have spent this day in study and in prayer and in sincerity before you for the sake of thy people. God, let there be an anointing that comes over me today that I may edify, educate, strengthen, and reinforce the faith of your people. In the name of Jesus, and someone shout amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. This 11th chapter of Numbers is full of desires, some right, some wrong, but all of them have gotten the attention of God. And why wouldn't they? They have all gone up as prayers. And God hears prayer, even the ones that displease him. The problem is everyone, Moses included, has allowed their prayers to be constrained by their desires. And contrary to popular opinion, just because it's a prayer rooted 
and our desires doesn't mean God is happy to hear it. When you look at scripture, there's no arguing that prayers can become tarnished by our desires. I want you to stop and consider how Jesus praying just hours before his crucifixion did all he could to avoid his own will and desire from tainting his prayers. In Matthew 26 and 42, he says, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Jesus is about to experience what all humans try to avoid every waking moment of their lives. Abandonment, pain, death, and sorrow. And Jesus' response to this is to focus even more on the direction that his prayers must not go. So intense was his focus that the scripture says he began to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Jesus was not going to allow his will and his vulnerability to hinder the will of the Spirit. Instead, Jesus becomes more precise and more articulate with his requests. And when he did all that he could do to not unravel, he could only speak these four words. Thy will be done. Regardless of what anyone says, it is very difficult, including for God in flesh, to ask for the right things when it seems like everything is going wrong. But it is in moments like these when God does something in response to our prayers that many people are not prepared for. He answers us according to what we should have prayed. And tonight I want to preach to you about making room in your prayer closet for God's desires. Because as you will see in the next few minutes, when our desires don't take into consideration God's desires, God in his mercy will override our desires and answer us according to what we should have prayed. And in our opening text this evening, this is precisely what happens to the prophet Moses. Moses cries out to God and asks for three specific things, none of which God is pleased to hear. But God is pleased with Moses. And so rather than ignore Moses, reject Moses, or punish Moses, God answers Moses according to what he should have prayed. Moses' prayer can be comprised of three petitions. In 11 and 11, he says, Why have you afflicted me? And why don't I have your favor? In 11 and 14, he says, I am not able to bear all this people alone. Kill me. In 11 and 15, he says, Do not let me see my wretchedness. For the next few moments, we are going to look at each of these prayers and see how God responded by answering the prayer that Moses should have prayed. The first prayer, Moses asked God, why have you afflicted your servant and why don't I have your favor? 
What Moses should have prayed is, God, show me what's afflicting me and tell me if I have lost your favor. God answers Moses by showing him that neither he nor the Israelites are what is afflicting him. Amen. And he is not without favor. Nothing could be further from the truth. And when you feel afflicted and when you feel like you are without favor, I just want to tell you that you have to be careful to not point the finger at God and then move on to finding fault with his people. Friend of mine, as much as God loves you, amen, there's going to be times when things are just not going in the direction that you would want them to. But that is not the time to bring an accusation to the doorstep of God, amen, and imply that something is wrong with him and that he is now punishing you. And neither is it time for you to start looking around the church and wonder if there's something wrong with the church. Uh, amen. Because more times than not, the source of our affliction stems from how sensitive we've become to the voice of what the Bible calls the mixed multitude. That carnal bunch, uh, that carnal crowd that sits close enough to the church to not be called worldly, but stays just far enough to never be genuinely spiritual. Amen. Can I preach to you today that you have to be careful for the institutions, for the individuals, and for all the people that tried to leech off the church. They act like parasites. Amen. They, they just drain it slowly but surely. They want its resources, its influence, its protection, its votes. Amen. It's, 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 it's constituency. But they don't really want to be part of the church. And I don't think we've ever lived in a time like the ones we're living in now. Amen. Where there's all kinds of pseudo-Christian Christians, Christian institutions and Christian movements, amen, that stand on the outside of the church, praise God, and they talk all kinds of crazy stuff, and they got Christian people doing very unchristian things, uh, they got Christians buying more guns, uh, they got Christians saving up rice and putting it in the basement, uh, they got Christians believing all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories, uh, if there's ever been a time when the church uh, has to stay in tune with the voice of God. Uh, it's right now praise God and as much as we have a mandate uh, to pray for every single president Democrat or Republican that steps in the White House we pledge allegiance to no one but Jesus uh, we ride or die with nobody but Jesus uh, praise God and can I preach to you tonight amen that you have to be careful uh, for that carnal bunch uh, that hangs out in the church uh, amen but doesn't really want to be part of the church uh, amen they stay right on the outskirts uh, amen. They look the part. They dress the part. They talk the part. Amen. But there's a little bit of reservation in them. Uh, they always question just how much uh, we should really all be engaged in the things of God. I'll tell you how much you should be engaged in the things of God with all of your heart, uh, with all of your mind, uh, with all of your strength, uh, and with all of your might. Oh, come on. Somebody praise him right now. Oh, hallelujah. Let's praise him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. The Holy Ghost is talking to us right now. Praise God. The church is not here to be the branch or the arm of any political party. The church is here to promote the kingdom of God. I said the church is here to promote the kingdom of God. 
We don't fix things the Republican way. We don't fix things the Democrat way. We don't fix things the Tea Party way. We fix things the Jesus way. You hear me? We fix things the Jesus way. Amen. We'll let government do what government does. But when it comes to us, we're going to do what the Bible says to do. When it comes to us, we're going to mock. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. We do things the Jesus way. We do we don't do things the Dave Ramsey way. We do things the Jesus way. We don't do things the, the we don't do things, amen, hallelujah, a, amen, the stock market way. We do things the Jesus way, praise God. We don't, come on somebody, we don't do things the union way. We do things the Jesus way, praise God. We don't do, come on somebody, help me preach right now. I don't, I don't I'm, I'm telling you, and I know I might step on a few feet before this is over, but that just lets me know I'm preaching it right. Praise God. I'm just telling you, it's time for us to, to, to make sure that we are aligned, amen, to the spiritual life. Uh, because after being baptized in the name of Jesus uh, and after receiving the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, there is only one thing thereafter that proves whether or not you are a child of God. And the, and the Bible tells us that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, uh, they are the sons of God. Uh, and so many people are tapped into the wrong thing and being led by the wrong spirit. And you better believe there's all kinds of spirits in the world out there. And you better believe that they're coming forth from all kinds of institutions. Uh, amen. And some of you young people in college, on your way to college, you listen to me good. We don't do things the professor way. We don't do things the academic way. We do things the Jesus way. And I'm telling you right now, we don't do things. Come on. Amen. I'm, I'm just letting you know right now, there's things that will never rub society right. Uh, amen. Hallelujah. You got to be careful. And you don't, you don't. Come on. Preaching to you tonight, church. If you're not careful, you'll get tangled up. Uh, amen. And some and, and, and some foolishness. Praise God. You'll get tangled up in all kinds of ideas and thinking. Praise God about what 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 really helps and what really solves problems. Uh, I am telling you here, flat-footed and straight. Amen. There's only one thing that fix humans beings. It is the power of the Spirit of God. And after you get saved, you need to make sure that you keep your finger on the pulse of the church, on the pulse of the Spirit. You better. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, hallelujah. I wish everybody in the church was spiritual. I wish everybody was following after the Holy Ghost. But I'll tell you what really tickles me. When somebody thinks they're all smart, not knowing they're just two pews away. There's somebody that can outsmart them, has more degrees than a thermometer, made it through college and didn't bend one knee, passed their SATs, had high GPAs, and they never folded and they never compromised and they never bought into the dribble and the mess that was coming out of their professor's mouth. Amen. And you'll see them just a few pews over quietly and humbly with their hands in the air, speaking in tongues, knowing. Amen. I don't solve my problems up here. I solve my problems up there. Amen. I don't set my affections on things beneath. I set my affections on things above. Amen. And I don't chase after the flesh. I chase after the spirit. Amen. And I pray just as hard as I calculate and tabulate. And I speak in tongues just as much as I strategize. And I come on somebody. And I'm just as good at tithing as I am at saving. And I'm just as good at giving as I am. Come on somebody. 
Ah, oh, let's praise him right now. Let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise Jesus. Let's praise Jesus. Let's praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him for just a few seconds. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 You know, I'll never forget when I was young. When I was young and in the church, 18 years old, I started coming across all kinds of other young people in the church that had all kinds of fancy ideas as, as, to, as to why the church was, was just not doing things right. And, and then when I started having issues, I started thinking, why has God afflicted me? And where has God's favor gone? Amen. And according to brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and backslid pastor kid so-and-so, the reason we're having all these problems, amen, is because the church just isn't relaxed enough. It's because the church is not preaching it hard enough. It's because the church has too many rules. It's because the church don't have enough rules. Praise God. And I just started finding out, and sometimes too late, that I had just been listening to too many fools. It had nothing to do with rules. It had to do with fools. Praise God. People I was listening to that I had no business listening to. Amen. And I, I, I just found out the hard way at the end of the day. Amen. Hallelujah. You got to get the conviction. Amen. To travel 18 inches from your head to your heart. Praise God. You got to get a convey. If you're struggling with holiness, amen, it ain't the pastor's preaching. If you're struggling with holiness, it ain't because the church is old-fashioned. If you're struggling with holiness, it's not because H&M ain't coming out with enough nice skirts. If you're struggling with holiness, amen, it's not because the church is legalistic and militant. If you're struggling with holiness, it's because you ain't gone down to the altar. Hallelujah. And got you a baptism of the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. If you don't think, come on, somebody. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. Somebody help me preach right now. Praise God. And you got to watch out for that spirit of the hypocrite that'll get a hold of you and, and make you never to question all the things uh, that the world asks of people. You get you in a, frater in, a, in a fraternity, they'll ask you to go ahead and tattoo yourself. They'll ask you to take punches to the chest, to the jaw. They'll ask you to do all kinds of immoral things uh, just to be a part of the frat, uh, just to be a part of the girls group. Uh, they'll, 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 your professor, amen, and all your colleagues, uh, amen, they'll ask you to do all kinds of wild and crazy stuff just to fit in and they'll have just as many high demands uh, as this bible has uh, friend you don't get to live a demand free life uh, you only get to choose uh, whose demands uh, you're going to comply with uh, and i don't know about you but i just made it up in my mind at 18 years old uh, i'm going to comply with jesus uh, amen i'm going to do what the bible says uh, i'm going to stick with god Hallelujah. oh come on I'm Mexican, in case you have not noticed. I'm not going to do what La Raza says. Go ahead and get offended. You ain't never met a more La Raza brother than me. You ain't never met anybody that comes out of a more liberal, Latino, protesting family than mine. You, you go ahead. You bring me your most liberated Latino. And my mom and my dad will out-liberate Latino yours. And I'm just letting you know. I'm not fighting for La Raza. 
I'm fighting for Jesus. I'm fighting for the gospel. Because you know what? I'm, come on, somebody. I'm just telling you, tapping into my Aztec roots ain't helping me. But tapping into the spirit, that's helping me. Praise God. I don't need to, be rem I don't need to see the world. Amen. Through my race's eyes. Praise God. I need to see the world. Uh, I, I, I need to put the Bible up to my eyes and allow myself to see everything through a biblical lens. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm sorry for everybody that's ever felt, praise God, marginalized in the church. Uh, it ought not to be so. Amen. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that when you get saved, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither Rasa. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to you right now. When you get saved, I'm not saying that the color of your skin changes, but brother, your internal identity sure does. Praise God. And you are no longer Salvadorian. You are no longer Jamaican. You are no longer African. You are, God bless Pastor Keefley over here. You're no longer Ethiopian. Praise God. Hallelujah, and I am no longer La Raza. I am Jesus. Amen, I am Christian. I am apostolic. Amen, I am spirit-filled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not white. You're not black. You're not native. And I'm not going to see the world. And I'm sorry. I know the kids are here on Wednesday night. But it's just time somebody talk to the kids too. I'm not going to see the world solely through the lens of my sexual preferences. I'm not going to let what I do in the privacy of my bedroom determine everything else in my life. Well, praise God, y'all go ahead and get quiet on me. But this is, this is what happens. We get in touch with the wrong voices. And then we start thinking there's something wrong with God. I'm not getting ahead because they're holding me back. Who's they? I'm not getting ahead because everybody's discriminating. Let me just tell you something. There's a lot of discrimination in this world. And you won't go to a country that's free of it. And at some point, every human being that has any knowledge of God has to take the big leap of faith and say, I believe that through God, I can do all things. I believe that God can get me the job I need. I believe that God can get me through school. I believe that God can give me the husband, the children, the wife, the spouse, the house that I need. I believe that he can supply all of my needs according to his riches and his glory by Christ Jesus. And don't you let nobody tell you he can't do that in the bay. Jesus got bay money too, praise God. The bay don't scare Jesus. Hey, can I tell you that when it started raining in the days of Noah, that ark went up with the flood. Come on, we got spiritual buoyancy, praise God. I'm letting you know right now, amen, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And I don't care if we're talking, amen, California taxes, I'm telling you God can make this thing float, honey. God can make this thing float. God can make this thing float. God can make this thing float. God can make you float in the middle of a storm in the middle of a trial in the middle of an economic disaster in the middle of corrupt politicians God can make this thing oh somebody praise him amen hallelujah 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 oh let's praise him right now I feel the Holy Ghost talking to us 
Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Somebody say praise God. Let me move on here before I lose half the church. Amen. I came to preach you in, not out. Amen. Number two, Moses prayed. I am not able to bear this people alone. Kill me. What Moses should have prayed is, God, don't let me do this alone, lest it kill me. And that's the prayer God answered. Let me tell you something about Moses. He struggled with gathering people to himself. This was a struggle in his life. You, we see this early on. God, is, God tells Moses, Moses, you're going to go back to Egypt. And you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But Moses had an inferiority complex. And a peach impediment. Praise God. And so he thought, I can't talk. I can't talk to Pharaoh. So God says, I'm going to gather somebody to you. Your brother, Aaron. He's coming. And he will talk for you. But this time, in Numbers 11, things are going to be different. God tells Moses, go and gather 70 men. This went against everything. Moses was an introvert. I'm telling you, Moses was an introvert. He didn't like this. This is not the way he ran. This is not how he flowed. And God says, guess what? You are going to go get you 70 men. I'm not going to get them for you. And they're not going to miraculously appear at your doorstep like your brother Aaron. You're going to go do this. It was time for Moses to choose who he was going to run with. It was time for Moses to use all the experiences that God had ever given him to choose him 70 qualified men to run the nation with. I want you to stop and consider how Jesus did not sit around waiting for people to come to him. Jesus knew that he had to fulfill the will of the Spirit, and Jesus knew that he couldn't do it alone. And Jesus knew that he was going to have to go get him some friends. He was going to go have to squat up. He was not going to do it by himself. I'm going to tell you, didn't nobody have a harder time doing this than Jesus. Isaiah 53 and 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of many sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid our face as it were from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. In short terms, or in modern day terms, didn't nobody want anything to do with Jesus. He was not attractive. And I know that some of us still see that bright-eyed blonde Jesus, praise God, who looks like a beach boy. That's not the Jesus that the Bible's talking about. Amen. The Jesus that the Bible's talking about is a little scruffy-haired Jew. Amen. Of a, of a bronze complexion. Praise God. And even, and even at that... Somehow we are just led to we are just led made to understand that he wasn't the greatest looking man. He was just despised. He was rejected. He 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 did he was not tall, dark, and handsome. Praise God. He just didn't look anything like that. He was not a good looking man. He was and, and not only that, he was a man that was acquainted with grief. The Bible told us that he only had one garment. Praise God. He had dusty feet. Praise God, disheveled hair. Amen. I don't, I don't, I'm just telling you right now, had you seen Jesus? 
Jesus, when Jesus walked this earth, you too would have not esteemed him. You too would have not been pleased. You too would have hid your face. You too would have said, that's not one attractive guy. But all these challenges, and Jesus says, I still got to gather me some men and some women that I can do the will of God with. Praise God. It's not time for me to be bashful. It's not time for me to be shy. It's not time for me to be backwards. I need some good friends in my life. I need some people that can help me pray. I need some people that can help me fast. I need some people that can help me knock on doors. I'm not looking for talented. I'm not looking for intelligent. I'm not looking for extrovert. I'm not looking, I'm not looking for, for dean's list. I'm not looking for somebody who graduated a kuma matata. Praise God. I'm looking for somebody who's just down with the call, who's just down with God, who's just willing to do the will of God. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm not looking for somebody that looks like me. I'm not looking for somebody that talks like me. I'm not looking for somebody that's related to me. I'm looking for the people that are willing to do what God is calling me to do. Oh, hallelujah. I talked to you ladies the other day at the ladies fellowship about a lady in the Bible named Dorca. You ought to thank God nobody gave you that name. I like her other name. Her other name was Tabitha. That's nice. Bible says Dorca had all kinds of friends. You ladies, listen to me. I don't think anybody struggles in the church more than women to make friends. And I know, I know people thinking, Pastor done lost his mind. Ladies are more friendly, more talkative. Oh, you, I, y'all know. Every woman here has been told at some point or another by somebody else, why don't you reach out and call somebody? No, I'm okay. I got this. I just need you and we'll be all right. You need friends. You need friends. Necesitas amigas. Praise God. You hear me good. Ladies, and, and listen, all, there, there is a lie of the devil, and this doesn't apply to the single women, but to the married women. There is a lie of the devil roaming in your head that tells you that if you reach out for help, you will shame your family because a lot of the times the thing you need help with is your kids. The thing you need help with is your husband. And the devil tells you if you go out and ask for help from another lady, everyone in the church is going to think you and your family are a bunch of losers and you're trying to defend the family's honor. Let me tell you something. At some point or another, you're going to realize I'm going to have to break out of my shell. I can't walk around like this my whole life and expect to get the help that I need. I'm going to have to pop my head out. Praise God. I'm going to have to pop my head out out of this cave and start and start and start ponying up and start getting some people that'll get around me and help me pray for my husband that'll get around me and help me pray for my babies that'll get around me and help me and help me pray for this bank account that my husband keeps overdrawing and help me pray for this child that the principal keeps calling about and help me pray for this situation that's going on in my body 
and help me pray for the situation that's going on in my hormones and in my mind. I'm going to need somebody. Amen. Somebody that understands what it's like to live in a woman's body. What it's like to have a husband. What it's like to have. I'm preaching to the women right now. Amen. The Bible says that when Dorca dropped dead. Amen. It was her friends that went and got Peter. And when Peter came, he raised that woman from the dead. But has she never made friends? Amen. Peter never would have raised her from the dead. And she would have just stayed there on the bed. I'm not trying to rap here, but I'm rapping to you. Praise God. I just need you to know that when you make friends, there's going to be clutch moments in life when you need them. Because you're going to drop dead, be it spiritually, amen, emotionally, or psychologically. And thank God for the women in your life that are right there to say, girl, just hold on. We're coming to get you. Girl, hold on. I know a man of God that can pray with you, that can pray. Come on, somebody. Oh, somebody help me preach. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You got to, hey, I'm, I'm letting you know right now. You got to get you some good friends. Gentlemen, get you some good friends. I didn't say you got to have a lot of friends. I said go get you some good friends. Go get good friends. And don't play around with friendships. Don't use friendships as some other, some other thing. I think some of the dumbest advice I've ever heard is, is keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. That's stupid. I'm sorry. I know the kids are here. Forgive me. But don't you ever do that. Don't you ever use people like that. Because I'm telling you right now, I am telling you right now, a fake friend is worse than a good enemy. And you don't want to surround yourself with people that you really don't like. This is, I could think of no, nothing more destructive, more idiotic than to actually fill your life up with people that you don't like. And then call that wisdom. That's not wisdom. That is the epitome of absurdity. Y'all y'all don't need to preach with me. I know some of y'all on that Twitter knowledge and on that Instagram knowledge. I mean, you, you need to quit listening to that and, and, and see what the Bible says. I'm telling you right now, the friends you make will, will, will determine how you spend your money. The friends you make will determine how you spend your time. The friends you make will determine how long you live. The friends you make will determine what kind of education you have. The friends you make in this life will determine what kind of marriage you have. The friends you have will determine where you take vacations to. The friends you have will determine whether you save or you waste. The friends you have are a big deal in fact in fact i challenge somebody here today to look at their friends and start cutting people off that have bad friends because you show me somebody's friends and i'll show you who they really are and i know this makes people uncomfortable but there comes a point in your life when you need to you don't judge people by how they act on the surface you go down there you go down their follower list you go down you go down the list of the people they hang out with and you really judge them by who they hang out with and well, Pastor, I heard we're not supposed to be judgmental. You go ahead and keep thinking that. But I ain't got no time to waste, amen, on people that want to do me bad and do me harm and are just and are going to take me down and take down my wife and take down my children and make me burn money and make me waste my You only got one life to live. You can't waste it. You can't waste it. Oh, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Hallelujah. 
Oh, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Hallelujah. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. I, I, you know, I get, I get all crazy up here preaching. I don't know. Maybe at this point now, Patrick, maybe, maybe 30 weeks out of the year. I will preach to thousands of people. Okay? You, you've never met anybody. Maybe, maybe you have, but I'm, I, I will at least be on your top, top five of people that struggles with making friends. And in particular, friends that are, that are higher quality. You know what? Don't believe anybody that tells you everybody's equal. I'm telling you, there are people that are better than you. You, you, quit, you keep believing that silliness. There are people that add better than you, spell better, look better than you. I told my, my daughter the other day, someone's going to think this of me. She was like, you think I'm really good? I was like, you all right. I'm not trying to build up no false sense of, I'm not going to put smoke and mirrors in front of my baby. I'm going to let her know you all right. But this is a big world. And there's a lot of smart folk out there. And there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of driven, productive, proactive, spiritually keen, driven, motivated people in this world. And one of the biggest challenges every single one of us will have, including pastor, is to pony up and be all you can be to sit at the table with somebody who's way better than you. And in and, and a sincere and genuine desire to be a better you. Because there's something about getting around somebody. And let me tell you something about the people that are better than you. If they're truly better than you, they're, they're not bothered by your company. And they'll want to pick you up. They'll want, they'll want you to succeed. They'll want you to have that better marriage. They'll, they'll, they'll smile when you succeed. Man, they'll cheer you on. They'll clap you on. They'll text you when, when, when they'll text you just to tell you they love you. Praise God. They'll text you and tell you that they're praying. They'll drop words of encouragement, not flattery. But it's hard to do that. I get around people all day that tell me stuff. I'm like, man, who are you talking to? And I used to think that people were flattering me. And I used to question what people were telling me. But what it really was, was somebody seeing in me that I had a deficiency and I needed to be built up in an area. Because see, the devil will tell you that you're weak where you're actually strong. He does this to us in all kinds of areas and, 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 and avenues of our life. I'm almost done preaching. I know you. It's nap time. It's nap time. I know. Praise God. But I'm telling you. There comes a point when you, have to, when you have to unabashedly, unashamedly, without any reservation, walk up to somebody. And I'm talking about a church person, spiritual person, godly person, that is better than you. And you know it. And let them speak into your life. And let them be a friend to you. 
and let them be a mentor. And there's nothing wrong with having mentors. And there's nothing wrong with having leaders. Don't get all codependent. Don't turn into a Klingon. <laughs> Star Wars, there's Star, Star Trek, there's these aliens called Klingons. You, know, you got folks turning into Klingons. You just latch hold of somebody. Don't do that. But let them rub off on you. Hey, every time I meet a good, godly, lively, excited saint, man, I'll tell you what, I don't care who they are. I'll walk right up to them and be like, brother, pray for me. Pray for me. Put your arms around me. Speak something right here. <laughs> yeah, we still, we still about that. We still about that life. Not too big to be blessed. Not too big to be blessed. Haven't arrived, praise God. I could use a word from the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I could use the blessing of a man and woman of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm, 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 still, I'm still okay with bowing my head and asking for the blessing of a godly person that's of a higher caliber and quality than I am. Praise God. I'm not trying to impress nobody. I want, I want God, amen, hallelujah, to know, amen, that I am here to receive, amen, what doth saith the Lord, amen. I, I want God to know, amen, that I don't ever want to stop growing. I don't ever want to stop learning. I don't ever want to stop being blessed, praise God. And I'm going to put away my shyness and I'm going to put away my bashfulness, and I'm going to put away my, my awkwardness. And my, You know, I can't tell you how many times I went up, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but I can't tell you how many times I went up to people and just fumbled and said all kinds of weird things. I'm not going to even tell you half the stuff. But thank God somebody could interpret my tongues. <laughs> and they still blessed me. Last but not least, Moses prayed, do not let me see my wretchedness. God answered Moses according to what he should have prayed. And as we read through the rest of this chapter, we discover that God is going to show Moses his wretchedness. Moses should have prayed like the psalmist, search me, O God. Moses said, I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling inadequate. God, don't show me my wretchedness. I want to preach to you good people here tonight as we close. What does the wretchedness of a godly man and woman look like? What does the wretchedness of Moses look like? I know what the wretchedness of the sinner looks like. But what does the wretchedness of Moses look like? What does the wretchedness of a humble, good saint look like? The wretchedness of the godly is when good people insist on fixing people they can't fix. The wretchedness of the godly is when good people insist on fixing people they can't fix. As heartbreaking as it is, change must come from a very secret and intimate place where only God and that individual resides. You nor I can force people to comply with the will of God. Amen. 
I'm going to be very honest with you. Everybody can change, but you can't change everybody. You get that? Your only obligation is to believe that people can change. But your obligation is not to, to take it upon yourself and insist change. You know what my biggest struggle is as a pastor? I'm, just gonna, be, I'm gonna be very honest with you. My biggest struggle as a pastor is to try to change people. I can't change anyone here. I really can't. I'm telling you the truth, I can't change nobody. I can inspire change. I can take everybody to the water, but I can't make everybody drink. I heard somebody the other day said, then make them thirsty. You can't even do that. I think just about every day I, I nearly go dehydrated. I'll be thirsty all day. Man, what's wrong with me? You need to drink water. Well, I don't want to. Because once you're dehydrated, water tastes gross. Let me drink me this nice Coke. This this will quench my thirst. You can't make people you can't make people thirsty. You can't make them drink. You can make people play games. You can make you can make people put on outfits. Oh, yeah, you can. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of tricks up everybody. See, you can get people to comply. You, you, th this is why, this is why even in car dealerships, they have to have like a 24-hour cooling period because they know, they know that a salesman could talk you into a new Honda. I remember one day I bought a car, thought I was going to surprise my wife. I brought it home. She said, what is that? We had just had a baby, and I just, for whatever reason, thought a two-seater Yaris was a great idea. <laughs> and the salesman thought it was a great idea, too. My wife said, you will take that back to Toyota One on Hagenberger tonight. I said, I can't. I already signed the paperwork. Well, I found out you could change your mind in 24 hours. Because the government know. That you could trick people, you could swindle people, you could hoodwink people, you can bamboozle people. Yes, you can. You could talk them into a 19% interest rate. You could sell them a $10 piece of garbage with a 30% interest rate, with a monthly payment of a dollar. Oh, you could, you could, you could. And you could do that in the spirit. I had a friend, I'll never forget. Man, this guy looked like a, like a small Christmas tree. He had gold rings and chains. and He just, he, he looked like Mr. T. The Salvadorian version. <laughs> Man. I was just one of those guys. I, I was just itching to get you the search for truth lesson on holiness. Boy, I got him to that lesson. Boy, I had him throwing rings and bags and gold chains. And he didn't want it. He did it all crying. He didn't want to do it. But I insisted he was going to hell if he didn't.
Aquí, hermano. Oh. He's backslid today. I never even let him front slide. Praise God. He, his, whole, his whole walk with God. His whole, hey, can I tell you that, that, that God did not deliver the Ten Commandments at the Red Sea? And the first message Jesus preached was the Beatitudes. There was just a lot of stuff that God said, you know what? We're going to deal with this. We're going to deal with this before we deal with this. Because if we do, you could, you could get the cart before the horse. You could get the cart before the horse. And you know what? Listen, every good person here knows. You know what I was doing when I was telling this good brother to take his gold chains off? Really, you want to know the truth of my heart? The truth, the truth of my heart, I could say this, was I just wanted him in the good life. I remember I had a one brother. He's still in church. I hope you ain't watching this. I remember I had this one brother. He had, he had a baby. Baby was little. Didn't even have tea. He was feeding the baby beans and tortillas and rice. That child was massive. He was massive. I'm not kidding. The, the child, the child, the child was the size of a, of a small adult. And he weighed. I seen the boy the other day. He's thin as a rail. But I'm telling you, from like two months to one, he was eating solids. And I, and you know, you think the child enjoys what you enjoy. You, you think to, you know, that had I not had a wife, I probably would have stuck a slice of pizza in one of my kids' mouths. And you know, in my mind, I just wanted this brother to start eating. He needed milk, but I was like, you ain't try to steak. And I just wanted him to, to enjoy, to enjoy the good life. And I was sincere, but I was sincerely wrong. And man, Fernanda, I just wanted him to change so that he could experience what change felt like. But I'm not the Holy Ghost. And you good people, you're not the Holy Ghost. There's only one. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 4, there's only one Lord, and it ain't you. There's only one faith, and there's only one spirit, and there's only one God. Praise God. And you're not him, and I'm not him. And that, and that is no excuse. And you listen to me good. That is no excuse to have a liberal spirit. Because I'm telling you right now, if you will allow the Holy Ghost to get inside of you. Praise God. It'll change you on the inside and it'll change you on the outside. Yes, it will. But you good saints, listen to me. Some of you, I love you. And I'm telling you, my wife loves you and we pray for you. But we will not try to fix what only God can. And you good parents, as these children get older, you know this. You, you can only fix them so much. And that's why if there's any pressure you're going to put on them, if there's any twisting of the arm, it should be to go to the altar. It should be to learn how to lift their little hands. 
Ezekiel 36 and 26, we're wrapping this up, says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Oh, there's nothing like a Holy Ghost change. Oh, no hay nada como cuando el Espíritu te mude el corazón. Oh, el hombre te puede manipular y te puede hacer cambiar, pero solo Dios puede transformar. Oh, I'm telling you, men can manipulate and men can twist arms, but only God. And you young people, listen to me. If you don't let God change you, the only thing you're going to do for the rest of your time in church is keep wishing for the day you turn 18 so you can run out the door. I'm sorry, I, t I told Ayla last night, you got to get the Holy Ghost or you're not going to heaven. You might think that's mean. I'm, I got to be honest with my daughter. I got to be honest with my daughter. And when she's 13, I'm going to have to tell her, you got to stay full of the Holy Ghost or you ain't going to heaven. Because I can't save you, I can't fix you, I can't change you. Moses, God said, Moses, move aside. You can't change these people. I'm going to send quail and they'll kill themselves with them. God didn't say, I'm going to send a famine because famines will make people repent. He said, I'm going to send quail. I'm going to send new houses, new cars, new jobs, new blessing. You watch this. And I'll make the scum rise to the top. I was just talking to somebody today. I was just talking to somebody today. And they, I'm, I'm okay with being vocal about this. I'm not going to even turn the mic off. I was talking to somebody that today, and they told me, I said, brother, one of the biggest tragedies right now is that there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of movements out there that are, that are, that are promoting resources. You got to be careful when you make decisions based on resources. We don't we don't move according we don't move according to financial incentives. Hey, I love my brother-in-law back there. You you hear me? I love me some Jesse Willoughby. Y'all love Jesse Willoughby. You better. I love Jesse Willoughby. I'm telling you, there's been a lot of services. Jesse Willoughby gets up here to sing, and he saves the day. I'm telling you, Brother Thaler thinks Jesse Willoughby is the stuff. And his wife could sing, but he's impressed with Jesse Willoughby. He tells me all the time. He's like, man, Brother Willoughby just We have people tell us all the time, man, you, your brother-in-law, I don't know. I know. I, know. I love my brother. He's a bit of a tornado in a teapot, but I love him. I love him. I do. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be very honest. I didn't think I was going to say this. I'm going to say this. I don't know if Lene knows I've ever said this to her husband. But I told him, I said, Jesse, if things in the Bay Area ever get too hard, you have my permission to move and do what's best for your family. And I told him that yesterday. 
And he told me, he said, Pastor, it's not, it, he didn't say brother-in-law. He didn't say Ari. He said, Pastor, it's not about whether things get hard or whether things get better. It's about, number one, what God tells me to do. And number two, what's best for my children. And I just wish that all of us could get some of that conviction deep down inside of us that says, you're not going to sell me on resources. You're not going to sell me, amen, on, 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 on anything. I'm going to move according to the Holy Ghost. I'm going to let God tell me where I'm going. I'm going to let God tell me what I'm doing. And, I, and, and, and if I, if I got to stay right here, I'm telling you right now, folks, Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross, and that was the perfect will of God. I'm going to tell you right now, things don't have to be rosy and flowery, amen, for you to be in the will of God. I am telling you right now, when Jessica Sandoval first came here, her situation was not rosy, praise God. And she was in the perfect will of God. And she held out until things got really ugly, and before she knew it, things turned around, praise God. And I'm just telling you right now, amen, there's many of you here that were in the same situation, where situations were bad, situations got ugly, and things got tight, and resources started running out, and you were in the perfect will of God. Praise God. You were in the perfect will of God. And I'm telling you, in these last days, Jesus said, in the last days, they'll buy, they'll sell, they'll trade. They'll be married and given away in marriage. I'm telling you, it's going to be popping. I know everybody's worried about COVID-22. I'm telling you, things are going to get good, real good, real good. Things are going to get real good. Y'all single people are very shouting. The Bible says you're going to get married. <laughs> the Bible says you'll be given in marriage. We're going to give you away. <laughs> shouting now. Just pray we give you to the right person. Bible says you'll build and you'll plant. It's going to be good. I'm telling you, resources are going to be at an all-time high. But you better stay tapped in. You better stay tapped in to the Holy Ghost. You better get those, you better, you better get those hands in the air and feel which way the Spirit's blowing. Now, I promise you as a man of God, I stand here on the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who declared, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But I'm afraid that we're going we're gonna to get kicked out of our house. I'm afraid we're going to lose our car. I'm afraid the kids won't have food to eat and there won't be devils alive. If you're praying in the morning and you're trying to dress right when you walk out the house and you're trying to be a light and a witness, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. I'm not getting enough amens on that. I said, you're going to be all right. I said, you're going to be all right. I said, you're going to be all right. No, Jesus said, you're going to be all right. Jesus said, we're going to do addition, not subtraction. Musicians come. Praise God. Let's all stand.
You're going to be all right. Here comes Jesse Willoughby. You're going to be all right. He here. My brother-in-law. You're going to be all right, Lene. That's my brother-in-law. 